There's no greater adventure in life than walking with God, and there's no better way to walk with Him than by exploring and responding to His Word, the Bible. The Walking with God podcast is dedicated to bringing God's Word to life in your life. It features the teaching ministry of Dr. Scott Fenton, pastor, Bible scholar, and expert guide of the Holy Lands of the Bible. He has lived, studied, and explored every inch of the promised lands of Israel and of Jordan. And for the past 31 years, he has served as lead pastor of Meadows Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. I'm your host, Ron Sear, inviting you to prepare your heart to walk with God. It's hard to see in the dark, isn't it? But some things are not clearly visible even in the light. Take that $20 bill featured on the screens here. Take a look at it. Tell me what you think. Is it real or is it counterfeit? It's difficult to tell. (laughs) The screen obviously is not a $20 bill, but... Incredibly, the United States Treasury has given away to know without a shadow of a doubt. They've embedded in every authentically minted $20 bill a security thread that when it's hit by UV light turns green. This invisible marking remains undetected by the human eye. You can't see it until it's viewed under a black light. A counterfeit, in fact, might pass for the real thing until it is put to the test of ultraviolet illumination. Then the real thing is clearly distinguishable from the counterfeit, the fake bill that is missing an essential ingredient. Now take a look at that same $20 bill. This picture is under the illumination of UV lighting. See that green unmistakable strip down through the 20s? Uh, This is the real deal. And every $20 bill carries that unmistakable mark. Now I'm not here to talk about money today. But just as the United States Treasury has embedded a light test for authenticity of our currency, did you know that God has done the same thing? He's given us a light test of authenticity for discipleship and intimacy with Him. It's not dependent upon ultraviolet light, but supernatural light. Listen to how John describes it, and this is our key text this morning from 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. It's an amazing verse. What is this supernatural light that John exhorts us to walk in in order to experience true fellowship with God and with one another? I think simply put, light is the revelation of truth. You remember Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And the psalmist said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. 
God is light, we learn from the Scriptures, and He lives in the light. There is no darkness in Him at all. No deceit, no pretense, no deception, no blindness. But herein lies the problem. <laughs> Unlike God, you and I often live in the shadows. We lack transparency. We're skilled at disguising what's going on inside. We often lack authenticity and stray from the path of truth. All too often, we're like counterfeit currency. We have the look and even the language down pat, but we're missing an indispensable element of truth, of light, of purity. And so our fellowship with God is compromised. And our ability to connect meaningfully and deeply with others is compromised as well. Never forget this. Without light, intimacy shrivels and dies. That's true in marriage. It's true in relationship with your family. And it's certainly true in your relationship with God. Without light, intimacy shrivels and dies. So, how about you this morning? Have you developed an approach to life that fosters a close relationship with God? Have you learned the secrets of intimacy with the Almighty? This morning, as we continue our series, Stronger Together, we've been exploring the power of the one another commandments of Scripture. That's truly how we are stronger together when we walk in the light of that revelation. By following the clear instruction from God's Word this morning, you can learn to connect richly and deeply with God. And you can enjoy the kind of connection with others that brings lasting joy and fulfillment. Wouldn't that be amazing to live like that? That kind of connection with God and with the meaningful other people in your life. Well, it's all here in this incredible text, a single verse, 1 John 1, 7. The original language of the New Testament, the Koine Greek, had a special word for this kind of connection. It's a word that many Christians know, even though they don't know biblical Greek. Anybody want to guess what the word is? You've heard it before, I suspect. It's the word koinonia, and we've captured it in many of our English words, this concept. The good news is, this morning, you can step into this koinonia, this divine connection with God. You can know that. You can experience that. And if you'll learn to do it, you can apply it to every meaningful relationship in your life. You can have that koinonia with your spouse, with your children, with your grandchildren, with your lost neighbors, with your church family. It's the gift of God. This koinonia is certainly something special. Uh, it's, a, it's a very special divine kind of connection, and all you have to do is to learn how to walk in the light. So this morning, that's what we're going to do. 
We celebrate the Bible as God's inerrant, eternal word for us today. And in this single verse, you can find the divine instructions to build this kind of connection. John gives us four aspects of the divine relationship. First, he'll point out the condition if we walk in the light. And then he'll challenge us to a comparison if we walk in the light as he is in the light. And then thirdly, he'll describe this special connection. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And then finally, he'll underscore the cleansing that's necessary. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. <laughs> A power-packed verse indeed. As we go on this journey this morning, I want you to see that each one of these four stages or four steps uh, are framed by a particular key word. So the condition that we're going to talk about is framed by the word walk. In Greek, it's the word peripateo. We talk about peripatetic teaching, a teacher who walks around instructing others. The rabbis were peripatetic teachers. Certainly Jesus was. The comparison that John points out is framed by the word light, or in Greek, photos, photosynthesis, is one way we've taken this word into the Greek language. It means light. The third part is the connection, and it's that special word we've already celebrated for fellowship in the Greek language called koinonia. But what I'll show you today by other verses in the New Testament is this is a much deeper and richer word than you might have imagined. And then finally, we'll talk about how you can experience this supernatural cleansing that's framed by the word purifies, the Greek verb katharizo, and it's linked to the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. That's, that's how we're cleansed to experience this divine connection with God and with others. So uh, let's begin uh, this journey of 1 John 1, 7, and uh, let's begin with the condition that must be met. This is a conditional promise. It's not just thrown out willy-nilly that anybody can have it. You have to meet the condition if you want the experience of the promise. And what is that condition? If we walk in the light, that is to say there's a choice to be made. It's made not just every day, but every moment of every day. And it is the irrevocable condition of walking with God. No one can walk with God who is light if they do not walk in the light. It's the condition of discipleship. It's the condition of intimacy. You have to walk in the light. So we got to in interpret what this means. What does it mean to walk in the light? Now, there are some famous walks that you're probably familiar with. Uh, here's one uh, that all you Western fans will recognize. Look at this. 
There's the Duke's walk. You can identify it. The way he tilts those shoulders and walks in to command the room. Is it talking about how you literally stride? Is that the condition of intimacy with God? I don't think so. Maybe it's a more polished walk like this one on the red carpet of Project Runway. Look at her working that outfit. Is that what it means to really display all you've got to the world? And that's what it means. If you walk like that, then you can walk with God. I don't think so. Uh, there, there ought to be something athletic about it, don't you think? So maybe it's this kind of walk. Maybe it's like the Olympic race walk. Look at them. They're going to throw their hips out of joint walking like that. Is that what it's talking about? It's about the peripateo. If you don't know how to walk like that, you can't have intimacy with God. So what is this walk? If we walk like this, we can enjoy this relationship with God. It's not the John Wayne walk. It's not the Project Runway walk. It's not the Olympic race walk. It's the Jesus walk. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, God's Word says, The one who says he resides or abides in God ought himself to walk just as Jesus did. So what's it really saying? This is not about your physical walk or your physical look. It's an idiom for how one lives their life how you respond to crises, how you relate to other people, how you live your life. If you say you are walking with God, then your life ought to look like somebody else's life. And who would that be? Not John Wayne, but Jesus. You ought to live like Jesus. You ought to behave like Jesus. You ought to respond like Jesus. That's the walk that is the condition for intimacy with God. So walking in the light is really about living in the will of God, living in God's truth and His righteousness. And walking in the darkness would be just the opposite. It would be living outside the will of God. It would be living in sin and unrepentance. So that's the condition. If you want to walk with God, if you want to know this deep connection with Him, if you want to experience rich and fulfilling relationship with others, it's all about how you live, and you have to live like Jesus lived. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So to walk in the light is to walk with God. And as I've already pointed out, Psalm 119, verse 105, the psalmist gave the secret, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So to walk in the light is really to walk with God. And to walk with God is to walk in his word. That's the secret. That's the condition that must be met. So I want to ask you this morning, 
How is your peripateo? How's your walk? How are you living? Are you meeting the condition for this kind of intimacy with God and with others? Now that we understand that there is a condition that must be met, our peripateo, our walk, must be a godly one. Next, 1 John 1, 7 focuses on the comparison that must be measured. The condition is about your walk. The comparison is about the photos. It's about the light. Now, initially, this seems like a prohibitive comparison. If we walk in the light as He is in the light. I mean, think about it. That's a, that's a pretty high standard to live by, isn't it? How could that be possible? Well, let's break this down and see what it's really saying. Uh, let me ask you this. Of all the light or the truth or the revelation that there is, how much of that do you think belongs to God? Would you say 50%? Is there half of all truth that is separate from God? Would you say 90% that there's only 10% of truth or revelation that is separate from God? Or would you say, no, all the light there is, all the truth there is, all the revelation there is, God has it all. How many of you believe it's 100% that God has? Yeah, you win. You, you got 100 on the test. 100% of the light God has. So let's compare that now uh, to our executive pastor. Let's compare that to Wayne. He has seminary degrees. He served God for half a century, got a ton of experience. So of all that light and revelation and truth there is, how much would you suppose Pastor Wayne has? Would you say, how, how much? Okay, come on, Michael, get, give you, move your finger out a little bit there for Pastor Wayne. Yeah, what's my point? I mean, the, whoever you want to pick, the person that you would say, I think this person knows more about God and walks closer to God than anyone else I know. Whoever that person is, if you compared their light to God's light, it'd be no comparison, would it? So if the comparison is to walk with God, we have to walk in all the light that God walks in, It'd be hopeless. None of us do that. In fact, take the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest who ever walked with God on this planet. And yet Paul himself to the Corinthian church said, we see through a glass dimly right now, but one day we will know completely just as we now are completely known. Paul realized, man, there's just a small percentage of what I know of what there is to know. So if that's the comparison, we're all doomed to desperation. None of us can walk in all the light that God has. But that's not what the verse says. The verse says if we walk in the light as God is in the light. So if God has 100% of the light, how much of that light do you think God lives by it? Because he's God, does he just say, hey, this is Sunday, so I'm going to half 
all that is true and righteous, and I'm just going to be obligated to half of it today. No, God doesn't do that. God lives in 100% of the light that he has, all of it. And that's the comparison that you and I must meet. It's the proportionate comparison, not the prohibitive comparison. God, the amount of light God lives by is 100% of all there is. And the amount of light I must live by if I'm to walk with God is not 100% of all there is, but 100% of all I have. That's the requirement. And if I walk in all the light that God has given me, then I'm walking in the light exactly as God walks in the light. He walks in all that he has, and I walk in all that I have, and God says, I will have intimate fellowship with you. So the requirement is really this comparison. I'm responsible for what God has revealed to me. Not all there is. But the problem is, in John 3, 19 through 21, the light test is that we all choose to reject the light at times, don't we? We all know what's right to do at times and say, I'm not going to do that. And we violate this principle. We don't walk in the light as God is in the light. We know what God's will is. We know what we ought to do, but we don't do it. John, in fact, it was Jesus. John records Jesus saying these words in John 3, 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. See, that's the problem. The problem is that you don't know God well enough or that you don't know God's will well enough. The problem is for all of us that oftentimes we have the light, but we prefer the darkness. We prefer our own way. We prefer to justify ourselves. We prefer to hide behind that empty truism well, nobody's perfect. But God said, I, I didn't ask you to be perfect. I asked you to walk in the light as I am in the light. And I've convicted you about this, and you have resisted me. And it breaks fellowship with God. I'll tell you an interesting story of application. When I was saved, I was a brand new Christian, having just been saved. I'd gone off to the University of Tulsa to walk on on the football team there. So I was there before school started, and I was in the middle of two-a-days. And I had picked up a, a habit uh, in my junior and senior years. Uh, my track coach that I greatly admired chewed tobacco. And so I picked up this habit that I chewed tobacco. So I got saved as a senior in high school, and I mean God came into my life. It was incredible to know God and to walk with God, and I walked with God along with that union uh, standard chewing tobacco. But I still remember that day in the summer 
1975 that I pulled into a convenience store and I bought a packet of Union Standard chewing tobacco. I got back in my car to drive back to the athletic dorm of the University of Tulsa and for the first time in my life, the light of God shone in my heart and I felt what I'd never felt before about chewing tobacco. You know what it was? I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd walked with God for a few months as a brand new Christian and God had never called me on the carpet about chewing tobacco. Judy had many times. She thought it was a nasty habit. It really was. And, I, I, and at first, you know what I thought? That's just Judy's voice in my head. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that's not Judy. That's God's voice. And I had a choice to make. I chewed tobacco the day before and walked with God. But from that second, I had to make a choice. Am I going to walk in the light as God is in the light? Or am I going to hold on to that chewing tobacco? And I'm not proud of what I did. I should have handled it a little bit better. But driving down 11th Street, I just threw it out the window. And that was my last patch of chewing tobacco. So what's the point? Is the point, if you want to walk with God, stay away from Union Standard? No. That's not the point at all. The point is, if you want to walk with God, then you have to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And for whatever reason, God had not convicted me about chewing tobacco until that moment. But from that moment on, it was a choice of either compromising this rich, deep, fulfilling connection that I had with God called koinonia or responding to the conviction of whatever God was asking for. To walk with God, it's really quite simple. All you have to do is give God what He wants. If you give God what He wants, then you have unbroken fellowship with Him. Uh, that my that's the famous saying of my college pastor, Tom Elliff, that you see Jimmy Francis sign all of his emails by. If all I want is all God wants for me, then all my life I'll have all I want, and God will have all of me. But when God doesn't have all of you, and when you want something besides God, then what is compromised is the koinonia. It's a downgraded experience. doesn't mean you go to hell if you've been saved. I could have chewed tobacco all 45 years since that day at the University of Tulsa. But what would have been compromised is the richness of that fellowship, that koinonia, that connection with God. And if you have sin in your life, that's what you're compromising as well. So you, you can be, I mean, think of this. It, this, is, this is so true. You can be married without having a rich marriage, can't you? You can be saved without having a rich relationship with God, can't you? Yeah, sure. You can have kids without having a deep, fulfilling relationship with them, can't you? Sure. <laughs> you just birth them. Or rather, your wife just births them. <laughs> you, you can have the relationship 
without it being rich and deep and fulfilling. That's what this verse is about. God wants the richness. He wants the deepness. He wants the intimacy with us. And the condition is we have to walk a certain way and we have to live a certain way and respond to the conviction of His Holy Spirit. How are you responding to the photos, to the light, to the revelation, to the conviction of God in your life? Have you learned to ignore it? Kind of like a spouse that's, you know, always chirping at you and you just kind of turn it off? Is that what you do with God? Now, I'm not speaking of my marriage at all. I'm really not. I love Judy's voice. Let me clarify, please. I was not referring to my marriage. Uh, You know, I tell you the thing to laugh about. Honestly, I, I don't ever remember doing that with my wife. But I can't count the times. You know where I'm going? I can't count the times I've done that with God. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to do that. Just turn it off. You ever do that? Oh, nobody's laughing now, huh? Yeah. That's what this is about. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, that's the key, that comparison. The third part of the verse is about the connection that must be made. It's the koinonia. Now, as I mentioned last week, when I'm studying for a message, I love the Word of God. So I, I have studied every verse in the Bible that has koinonia in it. And you know what I found this week? I was surprised to find how infrequently it was used in the Bible. I I would have thought it was used more often, more frequently. It's not that many times. But I also was surprised to find the depth of diversity and richness with which this word is used in the New Testament. So let me share with you some of the insight about koinonia. And I've got to press on. I'm running out of time. But this is, this is so good. I'm telling you, God's Word, if you're not reading God's Word every day, man, stop stealing from yourself. This, this is the greatest privilege to have God's Word in your life. You ought to read it devotionally, gratefully, every day. But I'll give a couple of, you, uh, of them to you. Uh, sometimes koinonia is used as a contribution to meet people's needs. For instance, Romans 15, 26, Paul says, For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution, a koinonia, for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. What that's, what's that talking about? They, they pulled out their billfold and gave money. That was koinonia. They took what they had and they gave it away to meet somebody's needs. That's a part of koinonia. It's, a, it's about a special partnership. Philippians 1.4, Paul said, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your koinonia in the gospel. 
because you're, you're vested in the gospel. You're always praying for lost people. You're always celebrating when somebody gets saved. You're always asking someone, has anybody ever told you about the difference Jesus can make in your life? You have a koinonia with the euangelion, with the good news, with the gospel, because of how you handle it and how you share it. That's koinonia. But you know what? In, this may be the greatest insight of koinonia for me this week. In Galatians chapter 2, 9, if you practice koinonia, it gives you the ability and the discernment to set aside differences that are not critical or essential so you can come together. You think there's any marriages that need that kind of skill? You think any churches could use that kind of skill? Uh, listen, this is so important. Galatians 2.9, uh, Paul writes, James, Cephas, that is Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of koinonia. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. You say, what in the world is that talking about? I'm telling you, this is the closest the original early church came. This was almost the first church split in Christian history. I mean, feelings were running deep and hot. And they were all about God. And the, the Jewish believers, they, they had deep conviction. Anybody can be saved but come on now, the Messiah is a Jew. How in the world could you be saved if you don't convert to Judaism? That's, that's bizarre. That's absurd. Anybody can be saved, but you've got you to gotta accept the Jewish Messiah. You've got to become a Jew. You've got to be circumcised. But then there were others that were adamant. No, even as Jews, we only are brought to oneness with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that alone is what is required. And I'm telling you, the sparks were flying. And it was only because of koinonia that that conflict was resolved. They were able to step back and say, you know what? The non-negotiable here is faith in Christ. And by embracing that, it doesn't mean we, we can't be Jews anymore. And so we need to let go of that. And it doesn't mean for the Gentiles that they're just free to live however they want to. And so because of koinonia, they set aside real and significant differences, but they were not essential differences, and they came together. Wow. There never would be a divorce if husbands and wives knew how to practice koinonia. Every broken relationship, not just divorce. I mean, because you don't ever divorce your kids, but lots of parents have broken relationships with kids. Lots of friends have broken relationships with friends, and it's all because of the lack of koinonia.
man, if you could get this, you talk about having the secret sauce to relationships, to deep, meaningful, fulfilling relationships with God and with anyone. You can practice kononia with anybody. Family, neighbors, lost people, be amazing. Well, there's one more. I, this, I ought to do a series on this. This would make a great series of sermons. But think about Philippians 3.10. Paul said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and the koinonia of His sufferings. Woo! Man, have you ever felt down in your toes I want to know Christ's suffering so deeply. (laughs) When's the last time you woke up with that yearning? (laughs) Not not many times, if ever. That's what Paul said. I want to share deeply in the hardest part of Christ's life, what grieves him, what hurts him, what saddens him, what burdens him. I mean, think about the average Christian. We're all probably average Christians in here. What was the average Christian? God, take this off of me. I don't want to have a burden. And I've got, I'm burdened about my work. I'm burdened about my kids. I'm burdened about my marriage. I'm burdened about uh, my nation. And, and most of our prayer is oriented toward unburdening ourselves. Isn't that amazing? That one of the men who walked closest with God in human history... His longing was to share the koinonia of the hard stuff, of the suffering. Maybe that's why there aren't very many Apostle Pauls around. So this koinonia is a rich, fulfilling relationship with another person or with God that is inspired by Christ and His sacrificial love. In fact, you know what a great phrase I came up with? to translate koinonia, you know what I would say it is? Divine chemistry. That's what koinonia is. It's that special magic. (laughs) You know some marriages that have that? I'm telling you, I've enjoyed all 32 of my years working on 32, 31, something. It's over 30. I've forgotten what it is. And I've enjoyed all the years. But I can tell you right now, I, I probably am enjoying the koinonia of our staff more than any time in my tenure. I'm talking about our pastoral staff, our bivocational staff, our ministry intern staff. There's just a divine chemistry about it. It's a koinonia. It's a deep sharing of life and ministry. And that's really what God wants you to have in your life. Well, there's a final thing, and I'm out of time, but I at least have to reference this. I did a better job in the first service, so go back and watch that sermon. You'll get more of this last point. But notice the text. It's the cleansing that must be ministered. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and here's the cleansing, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. The word katharizo means to wash, to clean, to purify, to heal, to restore. And it's a paradox, isn't it? You would think if we walked in the light, what need would we have for purification? 
See, we misinterpret. If I walk in the light, it means I'm perfect. That's not the truth at all. But if I walk in the light, like that story I told you about the tobacco, I've done that with hundreds of things over the last 45 years that I came under conviction about and made a decision. I'd rather walk with God than do that. I'd rather give God my whole heart than to hold on to that. And every time I have, I've recognized, you know what? I, I, I just now have come under conviction about this, and I was walking with God yesterday, and I had the same thing in my life. And it dawns on me, you know what? I'm walking with God by His mercy. It was never because I matched His purity. It's by the mercy of God. It's by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I have found, the deeper people walk with God, the more humble they become because they recognize <laughs> it's the mercy of God in my life. It's all about His mercy. See, the light of 1 John 1, 7 is not sinless perfection. Rather, it is perfect submission. That's what it's all about. And 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we're, we're fooling ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and catharizo us. Catharize. That's another way we steal these Greek words into our English language. We're able to, we're able to stop the bleeding of our sin through Christ. Isn't that amazing? You can have this. This is what God wants for each one of us. And you can apply it to any relationship in your life. It's conditional. It doesn't just happen because you want it. But if you walk in the light as He's in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. will purify us from all sin. As we close, I want to remind you of the words of the great gospel hymn. Have you been to Jesus for His cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? We all are stained by sin, but Jesus died and rose again so that you could, right now, you could say, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Forgive my sins and save me. Jesus would answer that prayer. If you've already accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to challenge you today. Would you commit to begin to walk in the light? That's the condition, to walk in the light as God is in the light. To obey God, to live in His Word, and to respond to the conviction of His Holy Spirit. Well, it's been a joy to share God's Word with you again. I want to invite you to stand together with me. I'm going to close with a special blessing. And if you'd like to receive this from God, let Him know it, that He's got something that you don't have that you can't manufacture, and you're not ashamed for others around to know that you want something you don't have that only God can give. It's a beautiful way to express it. Here's my prayer for you in closing. May you always run to the light and reject the shadows. May you refuse to practice the ways of self-justification. 
May you master the discipline of perfect submission. May you be devoted to cultivating divine connections in all your relationships. And may the fellowship, the partnership, the relationship, the chemistry, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walking with God, featuring the teaching ministry of Dr. Scott Fenton. If you love walking with God and want to help others do the same, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and to share it with a friend. We would love to hear from you and pray for any concerns you may have. You can reach us at walkingwithgod at meadowsbaptist.org. That's walkingwithgod at meadowsbaptist.org. And be sure to request a free copy of Dr. Fenton's booklet, The Sacred Journey, Exploring the Stories, Sights, and Saints of the Biblical Promised Land. Have a great week walking with God. And be sure to stay in God's Word so God's Word can stay in you.